Vicky ran out to see what the commotion was, and there was Betty, standing in the kitchen, holding clumps of her own hair. Oh no. Not only was there no sandwich, we do not have a fridge that you can even keep a sandwich in, so what you are saying is categorically untrue. There is a planet out there where every day it rains glass sideways. You are exposing children to, to these days to magic? Are you crazy? Are you mad? Welcome back to part two of the Cash Landrum UFO incident. If you haven't listened to part one yet, definitely go back and listen to part one. Uh, because a lot of this and the stuff we're going to be saying uh, isn't going to make any sense. Um, usually we do introductions. Let's speed through that. I'm Roy Powers. This is uh, Kit Greer. That's we're right. We're paranormal investigators. Oh, yeah. We're investigating the paranormal. That's right. Now, for those who are here and ready to tackle part two, let's do a quick recap. Okay. One night, Betty, Vicky, and seven-year-old Colby were driving home when they spotted a giant glowing diamond in the sky. That's right. This diamond emanated incredible heat. After standing outside the car, staring at it, the craft was chased away by a horde of military Chinook helicopters. They thought it was Jesus initially, later decided that wasn't the case. When the radiation kicked in, <laughs> they thought it probably wasn't him. He didn't talk a lot about, about that in the Bible. When the gang got home, they all fell violently ill, vomiting, swelling, losing hair, and Betty had to be even rushed to the hospital. Doctors said they had severe radiation poisoning, but when Betty and Vicky tried to explain to police and military what had happened, no one would believe them. The military even denied having any Chinook helicopters stationed nearby, despite the fact that in the following months, multiple witnesses came forward claiming they had also seen the same thing. That's what we call corroboration of evidence in the biz. That's I don't know what, if that's true, but it sounds right. That's what we call a grade A f up. Someone misspoke and the truth shined through. That is the story as it goes so far. That's what the military call a cluster f and what paranormal investigators call a gold mine. <laughs> Jesus is that your phone? Christ. Or was it your watch? <laughs> Actually, I just got this thing. I don't know how to mute the bish. Really? Jesus. All right, hold on. I mean, it's a Casio, so I don't even know how it's making that much noise. It's, a, it's also a calculator, I'll have you know, so don't diminish it because it's actually with the technology in this yeah we could go to the moon or something like that people like to say that yeah i don't think with like that, that specifically though we will we could i could calculate how many moons there are okay go zero times one so zero <laughs> we look up in the night sky <gasps> no <laughs> it's <moon>. gone <laughs> I've managed to put it on There's theater no mode. I think that does something. So What? Okay, just ignore it, all right? Put it on theater mode. It starts from beginning to end reciting the script <laughs> and songs of Cats the Musical. <laughs> all right, let's, let's push on with this story, okay? Yeah, please. After the incident had happened, we heard that Vicky called the National UFO Reporting Sector in Seattle. Mm -hmm. This was the telephone call that we heard in the last episode. Now, these are the kind of folks who have your back. Mm -hmm. They contacted the Aerial Phenomena Research Association. These these organizations have names so long, yeah. you know you can you, trust them. They sent out a bunch of investigators to the town to take a look at the case. Mm -hmm. Now, these investigators did everything. They talked to Betty, Vicky, Colby, also all the other witnesses who claimed they had seen something that night. And they came to the conclusion that everyone was telling the truth. Mm -hmm. No one had any re. I'm sorry, I can see a smile on your face. No, no, no. no. It, it's just, I'm only smiling because look, it's hard to get into paranormal Harvard. You know, 
I know that. You know that. It took a lot. It took a lot of blood, sweat, tears, stolen money, stolen cars, stolen watches. We got in there. Um, <clears throat> and the education standard is very, very high. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said for other paranormal colleges. So, you know, sometimes these guys. Now my. Sorry. Yeah, it's kind it's, of distracting. My watch it's, is blasting music right now. I didn't. I don't know how it's possible because that thing is rusted up. It is obviously from the eighties. This is "Where Is the Love" by Black Eyed Peas, and this this watch really predates that whole music generation. Yeah, that's really confusing. Uh, what do you think? Smash it. I think just okay, smash it. Let's point. just like. A- <sighs> All right. Well, it's, it's fine now. Okay. All right. Um, Let's hope. You were saying paranormal Harvard? Yeah, but some of these paranormal investigators didn't get the same stellar education that we did. You know, listen, some of these guys, I don't want to doubt their motives, but maybe they're going into these cases. You know, they're they're looking for that case that's going to put their name up in lights. They're looking for that case that's going to be the cash card. They're of looking course. for that case. So, you know, they're going in, that, in there with that bias. So, you know, I, I'm just saying maybe that's why... They thought everyone was telling the truth. It's true. You know, you're an investigator of the paranormal. You've been brought on this big new hot case. So, you know, what are you going to do? Are you going to show up there? Or maybe do you twist it? Is that my goddamn watch? Holy shit. That is the Mexican hat dance. Why would a watch need to play that? No, it's just doing like an air raid siren. Should we be worried? I have no Again, I don't know how old this thing is. All right. It's going under the mattress. Well, that'll do it. Okay. We actually did it. It did, yeah. It's gone. Mm, interesting. So I get what you mean. We have to be careful when it comes to the word of paranormal investigators. Right. But sometimes. Sometimes. Not us, though. Trust us. Now, as time passed, Betty's health slowly recovered. Mm. But there were a lot of other effects from the encounter that never did. Betty and Vicky were mocked around town. <laughs> I'm their, sorry. Their pride, I'm sorry, More sir. than anything, their pride was damaged. Yes, Betty's skin returned. Her hair regrew. But the embarrassment of thinking Jesus came back to earth would haunt little Colby forever. You, I mean, is that a laughing matter to you, sir? Let me recite a little nursery rhyme for you, all right? Your bed Kid? is on fire. I'll tell you that right now. Sticks and stones may hurt my bones, but words f***ing scar me. Yes. Who said that? Yes, the radiation has faded. Yes, the scars are gone. But words? Words hurt forever. Yeah. Yes, the radiation has faded, but people are calling them crazy. They're mocked around town. Yeah. Colby's injuries meant he had to temporarily drop out of school. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And doctors diagnosed him with PTSD. Wow. A pretty terrible stress day. The family was suffering. You no, know, it's, it's sorry. That's not what it is. The family were suffering. But at the same time, there was nothing they could do. Months later, in April 1981, Mm -hmm. Colby was outside in the fresh springtime air when all of a sudden, he heard a rumbling noise in the distance. At this point, he is crapping his pants. He is sweating. He is looking around. The last time he heard our rumbling... It wasn't Jesus. It wasn't good. It was not Jesus. He stood there looking around for the source of the sound. And that's when he noticed, in the sky... A speck on the horizon, getting closer and closer. No. Colby began to panic and ran inside to get Vicky. Vicky! By the time they got back outside, the speck was close enough to make out in clear view. It was a CH-47 Chinook helicopter. Whoa. The exact same helicopters that had been seen that night with the nuclear diamond. 
Listen, I've got a question to ask the listeners at home. All right. When was the last time you saw a helicopter? Oh, a Chinook helicopter? When the was rarest the last time you goddamn saw... exactly. Pokemon of the helicopter breeds? Right, I don't know if it's Pokemon, but yeah. Exactly. I think I've seen more Blackhawk helicopters in my life than I have Chinook. I don't think I've ever seen a Chinook helicopter in my life. Especially... This is, this is especially important because the government denied they had any Chinook helicopters stationed nearby. That's right. So what is one doing flying over Becky and Vicky and Colby's houses? Some, someone's telling lies. And you said this thing is got double propellers, one each side. This isn't some hobbyist learning to fly a helicopter. No, you know this, this isn't, thing. This is like some Zero Dark Thirty deployment in Chirac <laughs> sort of shit. You know, this is a kind of movie scene, uh, Mission Impossible, back of the helicopter, hangar door, hanging open, fist fight in the back. You know, you're punching the villain's face on the edge of the helicopter at 10,000 feet. None of this was happening, but I appreciate, I know what's going on in your head. I just want to set the scene. Okay. <laughs> well, obviously, Vicky and Colby are excited. They run to the car and take off in the direction of the helicopter, waiting to see where it lands. Vicky said... Because Colby was so upset, even at just the sight of the helicopter, that she wanted to reach it on the ground to show him there was nothing to be afraid of. That's a dangerous game to be playing. Well, I guess if... Falling around. If the classified. Because you know that that helicopter... Listen, they said it doesn't exist. You're getting very excited. That means it ain't supposed to exist. Yeah. So I it, mean, look, I I know where the story goes. So if I'm trying to steer you off could the path that you're on, there there could be greys, MIBs at the very least. I wouldn't maybe ghouls. Hell, maybe the second coming of Christ Himself. Again, I know what's happening. So don't get the audience's excitement up too much, or else my story is going to be disappointing. It's going to be a piece of shit. It's time to get riled up, everyone. We are Please. reaching the grand climax of this There's week's so much episode. More to go. There's so much more to go. Hold on to your ass cheeks, ladies and gentlemen. It's about <laughs> to get crazy. Alright, you're clearly not going to give up, so I'm just going to have to power on. To their surprise, when they reached the area where their Chinook helicopter had landed, there was a small crowd. Hmm. It turns out the helicopter was part of some sort of air show ah. where people could watch the planes oh. and the helicopters hmm. and the kids had the opportunity to talk to the pilots. I, uh, yeah, I see, so, I see now I got a little overexcited. That's it was, it really had no, it, this is such a minor part of the story. Any grace? No, there were no grace. Oh. Tom Cruise? At one point you mentioned ghouls. Hmm. Uh, I don't know why you thought they would be in the helicopter, but there weren't any of those. It's probably nighttime, though. There could have been girls. You just it was day. Them. It was bright really? day. I, I actually said springtime air at the start of the sentence. Hmm. So I'm yeah. just going to... Mamo said I had an overactive imagination. And look where I All got right, This is getting sad, so let's just keep keep going with the, uh, <laughs> the old podcast here. Vicky and Colby headed over to the Chinook helicopter. There was already a small crowd, so they stood at the back waiting for the pilot to finish talking to the small crowd of children. All right, kids, this here is a Chinook CH helicopter. It's got two rotary blades uh, instead of your, your regular one rotary blade. How many of you kids would ever dream of becoming a pilot when you grow up? Me, me, me. me yeah, I bet me, me. you would. While the pilot is talking to the kids, Vicky says, See, Colby, it's just a helicopter flown by a regular man. Ain't nothing to be afraid of. Let me say. How many of you kids uh, have divorced parents? All of us. All right, that's a good ratio. Where, where's dad? 
he out of the picture or is he still around? The pilot is still talking to these kids okay. about flying helicopters. Mm. He, he's trying to impress them. When all of a sudden, one of the kids asks him about visiting the town. The pilot replied, Well, I've actually been here before. A while back, we were in Huffman checking out a UFO. Vicky is speechless. This man, even though it was kind of jokingly said, claimed he had been investigating a UFO oh in a Chinook helicopter God. around the exact same time Betty and Vicky had seen the diamond. How many Chinook pilots are there, after all? That's what I want to know. More than 23? Can't be many more. Vicky waited nervously for the crowd to dispense. When the kids were gone, she approached the pilot. Hello, ma'am, what can I do for you? He said. I'm so glad you're here. I was there that night. Uh, what night? I saw it. The UFO. It burned me. Quickly, the mood of the pilot turned sour. He refused to talk to her or Colby any further and hustled them out of the aircraft. So her plan of trying to chill Colby out and uh, make him used to being around helicopters completely backfired. Well, it didn't help that she brought this kid who was clearly suffering to yeah. the pilot and was like, he's just a regular man, nothing to be afraid of. And the pilot's like, let me tell you about the time a UFO melted a woman's face. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I damn near lost all my fingers. Holds up all <laughs> Too his hands. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Uh, she, you know, brought him there with the best intentions. Yes. Unfortunately, it turns out this is just another step in the story that never ends. Oh my god! It's like some sort of never-ending story. But instead of that big fluffy piece of shit, what was his name? Kirby. No. Falcor. Falcor. Instead of Falcor, you got a Chinook helicopter wow. chasing down a nuclear diamond. Holy shit! Yeah. I mean, what were the chances? Of her tracking down this man and then him just letting slip. He should not be working in any sort of governmental secret service capacity, which he obviously is. I think it's one of those things. He obviously was talking to a group of kids. He was lured into a false sense of security. Yeah. He thought he could By just say... innocent eyes. But they had little notepads. I, I saw them. They had little, like, honestly, those little audio recorders. Oh, yeah. Kids are You sneaky. think those kids aren't Russian and Chinese spies? They're all just doing that thing where they're on their knees, where their <laughs> knees are on their shoes. All right, so as you can uh, tell, this is a Chinook helicopter, which means instead of one blade, there are actually two blades keeping the vehicle afloat. And then just one kid from the crowd. Tell us more about the American nuclear protocols. <laughs> all right, well, we'll get on to that eventually. Who wants to touch the steering wheel? None of us want to touch the wheel. What year did you boys say you were in? I have to go. Mother Russia's mother is calling. Craw crawls away. The shoes are gone. His legs are poking out the back. <laughs> Massive beard as well. <laughs> so they continue to question the military. They continue to talk to people in the town. But everyone is still ignoring their story. Betty and Vicky felt helpless. But as the old American saying goes, if you can't beat them, sue them. In August oh God, of 1981, Betty Cash and Vicky Landrum hired an attorney named Peter Gersten to seek financial compensation for their injuries. You know Peter Gersten. He's the hottest in the biz. He specializes in UFO cases. He's nuclear hot. You get oh, radiation yeah. just by standing next to Peter. The case wound its way through the U.S. courts for several years, with Cash and Landrum trying to sue the U.S. government 
for 20 million US dollars. Holy shnikes. I guess aim for the sky, right? And then if it gets whittled down to like a free subway, it's like, well, I guess Ain't, I got something. <laughs> what is it they say? Shoot for the moon, land amongst the Chinook helicopters. That's what the, the old saying. So when it came to the case, they had evidence that they had been affected by some radioactive machine that night. Yeah. They had other witness testimonies claiming they had seen Chinook helicopters that night and other witnesses claiming they heard the helicopter pilot mention a ufo to the kids that is insane this is is this the first time we've ever had evidence from a a paranormal case actually brought to a court of law i think it is this is one of the if not maybe the only major uh court case brought against the u.s government in regards to a paranormal encounter wow but there was one problem and this problem unfortunately would mean the end of this story even if all of this was true the radiation, the vehicles, all the witnesses. The plaintiffs, Cash and Landrum, had claimed that there were no markings on the Chinook helicopters, which means there was no way to legally prove that they were associated with the US government. Really? Yeah. On August 21st, 1986, a US district court judge dismissed their case. It was over. This is some bullshit. <laughs> Justice was not served that day. Oh, we did believe that whenever they send those Chinook helicopters out on a UFO chase, that they're going to just have a big old dumb American flag just plaster on there. Slapped on it. No, yeah. they're going to pull over the drapes, pull the literal wool over the flags. Hey, you're preaching to the converted here, brother. This is some shit. I'm on your side with this one. But unfortunately, you know, it's it's... It's the uh, innocent until proven guilty. Even if all this stuff did happen, as, as long as there is no way to directly prove that the U.S. military are responsible, there's no way to get compensation out of them. The U.S. military denied ever having seen a diamond craft. They denied still having Chinook helicopters stationed at air bases around that time. Lots of denial. I feel like taking the government to court is an inherently flawed process. I feel yeah. like they're biased that way. Is that case really going to end? And then <laughs> no sooner does the judge smack on the gavel and say, guilty, does someone just come along and just put handcuffs on him and yeah. take him away? How do you arrest the law? That's what I want to know. That's the, I don't think it happens. That should be a takeaway from this question. Who watches the watchman? That's why in the commune, there will not be any watchmen to have to be watched. No. That's right. There will be no sentries, no lookouts, no police of any kind. But there's also no crime mm. because we're all, Crucially. we're all chill AF. Yeah. So moving on, Cash died really? at the age of 71 on December 29th, 1998. So years later. Wow. Landrum died September 12th, 2017. Oh my God. No, God, that's what? so wrong. 2007. <laughs> okay. That is so... Recent. That's way too recent. Yeah, 2007. Okay. Yeah, and Colby, ago. still to this day, continues to tell people about what really? happened that night. Seeking revenge like some sort of paranormal Batman. That's really unbelievable. So we do have someone alive today who was witnessed there at the original close encounter of the first kind so now that the story has reached a full stop it's time to look back at this case when i look back at it i only see two explanations kit the first that this diamond craft was otherworldly right and the government had to lie about its existence to protect the public 
This explanation is so possible that it should scare you. <laughs> it should come as no surprise to people that the US government and UFOs have a pretty long and intimate relationship. Right. In 1952, a little thing called Project Blue Book. Ever heard of it? No. Oh, well, Should uh, I have? It was the name given to a huge study launched by the U.S. Air Force to investigate UFO sightings. Okay. The scientific advisor to the project was a man named Dr. Alan Hynek. Just listen to this short clip. In 1966, congressional hearings were held with Secretary of Defense Harold Brown and scientific advisor of Project Blue Book, Dr. J. Allen Hynek. None of the evidence that I have examined would indicate any proof at all that we are being visited by extraterrestrials. Dr. J. Allen Hynek is one of the most important figures in this matter. As a senior government representative, he faithfully continued to dismiss all UFO sightings as swamp gas, mass hallucinations, temperature inversions, and conventional aircraft until Blue Book was terminated in 1969. However, four years later, he founded the Center for UFO Studies, which is still active today. In 1985, shortly before his death, he revealed that Project Blue Book had indeed misled the public. I was there at Blue Book, and I know the, the, the job they had. Uh, they were told not to excite the public. Uh, don't uh, rock the boat. Uh, and I saw it in my own eyes happen that whenever a case happened that they could explain, which is quite a few, they made point of that and, and let that out to the media. Things that, the, the cases that were very difficult to explain, they would jump handsprings to keep the, the media away from them. For their, they had a job to do, uh, to, whether rightfully or wrongly, to keep the public from getting excited. Thank you, thank you. I mean, you can't say that this is not high quality paranormal investigating. This is... <laughs> I'm getting clips from an old ass man. I've got testimonies. This is some good stuff. Great yeah. A. Well, you can pat yourself in the back if you like, but let's talk. Done. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Kit, when we bottle up our emotions, it can start to affect us negatively. Sometimes it's important that we get stuff off our chest. Tell me about it. I found a UFO in the forest and now this thing is attached to my chest. Jesus, that's an alien. Mm -hmm. All right, I was speaking metaphorically about dealing with emotions and talking about our feelings by using services like BetterHelp. I don't need to talk about my feelings. This thing can read my mind. Therapy can be a great way to set boundaries and become the best version of yourself. With BetterHelp, you can get matched with a licensed therapist that suits your needs. It's online, convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You're saying they can get things off my chest, like uh, Zonktar here? Don't give it a name. Maybe me and Zonktar can sign up for BetterHelp together. Give it a shot. 
And whatever it is, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Paranormal Life today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Paranormal Life. Wow. Um, that's pretty fascinating. That is a very plausible version of events. What he's saying is he isn't coming out as one of these, you know, 10 a penny X NASA guys and just saying... Um, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know, I know, I know I, uh, was a regular suit and tie guy while I was at NASA, but now that I'm free, I can say categorically without exception that I ate lunch with Greys every Wednesday. They were chill. We hung out. Uh, they come to earth all the time. This guy is just saying something very plausible, which is that, listen, yes. There are organizations in place for the detection of UFOs, the study of UFOs. But what is their mission? What is their guiding principle? The guiding principle is is going to be to not disclose dangerous, unusual information. Exactly. It's going to be to um, temper expectations. And this means playing down evidence even when some of the explanations that they're giving are just not plausible. They're talking about swamp gas. Exactly. Now think about this. Think about what happened to Betty and Vicky. Imagine the organization that was looking after this diamond was a had a very similar approach to the situation as Project Blue Book. Mm -hmm. So when the public are exposed to it, they're going to deny it. They're going to bury the story. They're not going to disclose any information. This is something that happened in the past, which means it can be happening now. <laughs> Well said. <laughs> Perfect sentence. It can be happening now. So that's explanation number one. Right. We do also have explanation number two, that this object was not otherworldly, that this is a piece of experimental government equipment. All right, listen, people. Right now, as we speak, the U.S. government has a gun that will turn you to glass. They have a bomb that will turn air into bees. Whatever weapon that you think does not exist yet, yeah. they have five of them stationed yeah. in countries across the world. Mm -hmm. Let's think about this craft, this diamond. You brought it up in the first episode. When we hear stories about UFOs, everyone says, like, there was no noise. It just hovered there, and then it, like, took off in an instance. <clears throat> yeah. The description of this diamond is very much based within the confines of our reality. Mm -hmm. It's got some sort of combustion engine. It's mm -hmm. shooting flames down to keep afloat. It truly shined bright like a diamond with <laughs> flames. I know what you're saying. This is like, because we're so used to the idea of alien technology being unfathomable, beyond all expectations, beyond imagination itself, that this seems by comparison like a steampunk UFO, that it runs on Victorian sort of fuels. Absolutely, yeah. Now, when we look at the diamond, it had a fiery engine, a byproduct of which was a bomb's worth of radiation. So naturally, what I started doing was looking at the US government's history experimenting with nuclear engines. Hmm. Because, you know, around the time of the, the wars, and the nuclear bomb testing. Yep. There was this whole idea 
that essentially nuclear power was the future. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. was in like 20 years going to be powering the globe. Yeah. Everyone had this idea about nuclear energy that it was this clean, pure yeah. energy. They couldn't have been further from the truth. Yes. And it wasn't long into this investigation that I came across something called Project Pluto, which was a government program to develop nuclear-powered engines. Mm. Now, granted, this was in 1964, uh, and the Cash Landrum case was in 1980, mm -hmm. so 16 years later. Mm -hmm. But does that mean the two aren't connected? Well, it's totally possible. Could it be that in those 16 years, Kit, there was enough time to create a nuclear engine fit for a diamond-shaped craft? It's entirely possible. Listen, the 60s were a busy time. The U.S. had a lot on its plate, you know, going to war, all of that. Didn't have time to deploy nuclear arsenals Hell no. in wartime. So uh, it's entirely possible that it took them a little while getting around to this and they eventually created a nuclear engine. Do we know what did anything officially, for the record, come out of Project Pluto? Uh, yeah, somewhat. There were two test launches mm -hmm. where they experimented with, I think, sort of like ballistic missiles, hmm. but the uh, propulsion for those would be done through a nuclear engine. Mm -hmm. So there were two tests done before the project was quote-unquote shut down. For being quote-unquote too radioactive. <laughs> And for unsafe working conditions. And everyone, quote-unquote, died slowly. As far as I know, the launch of those missiles went fine. They went yeah. well. Like, it worked. As far as missile launches go. Yeah, and as far as... There's anything I know about the U.S. government. They don't shut down working programs. Could you imagine if uh, King Arthur <laughs> was at his weapons store one day ah men that i keep in the basement uh what new weapons have you been dreaming up for me recently oh good to see you sire mm -hmm. blessings upon you mm. uh, get, get on with it well i, I may i kiss your rings Whoa. oh god right in the kisser oh why did i invent the whip <laughs> i've been working on a new uh, types of weapons to advance mm. your Iron Rain. Oh, fantastic. I know that uh, the bow and arrow has been a uh, 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 pop crowd favorite among <laughs> your people. I do love the bow, shooting poor people all day long. And of course we have the, the beloved sword and shield. Ha <laughs> ha! Hold out your arm, will you, Arnold? Uh, please, <laughs> not now, sir. But, but we're working on a, a new uh, type of weaponry. Mm. Experimental new weaponry. New experimental. I've invented... This new type of weaponry, a brand new uh, weapon called mm. the Assault Rifle. Not sure, to be honest. Which... Right, well, I, I haven't even told you what it does yet. The name's not great, though, is it? Well, it's it's all right, sir. It assaults people, mm. and it's a rifle. No, what does it do, then? Go on. Well, you put bullets in it. And What's you... a bullet, though? All right. You put arrows in the barrel. I understand now. Yeah, yeah. Good. And you pull the string... Sir. Sir. <laughs> Sir, you pull the string, got it, and it fires the arrows. Well, how's that better than a bow and arrow, though? It fires them quicker. It can go through armor. If I'm going hunting, why do I need anything more than a bow and arrow? If I need more bows and arrows, I'll get another guy with a bow and arrow. I've got a f***ing <laughs> army. 
of bows and arrows. But you what could do have, I need? You could have an army of people with machine guns to kill thousands of enough bears. of you, to be honest. Take that assault rifle. <laughs> <laughs> Pulls out a taser. But why have you got that? That's <laughs> even more modern than a gun. It takes out a Glock 9mm. The point is, King Arthur didn't stop right. at the bow and arrow. He made yeah. the rifles. And had someone come along with a DARPA drone that could <laughs> unload 2,000 rounds in half a second, he would have used it. Of course. Now, if this explanation was true, and the military had developed some sort of nuclear-powered craft, yes, I need to find out what this thing was. Alright, so I looked online to see what other investigators thought the craft could be. Mm -hmm. That's when I noticed one user say, uh, I may be wrong, but it actually reminds me of a Lockheed Martin's multiple kill vehicle. <laughs> Obviously, I had to know what this was. So I looked up a video of a Lockheed Martin's MKV. Now, this is an actual piece of military equipment that exists. And okay. it's not even secret. This video's got like a million views. Oh yeah, it's on YouTube. You can you can check this a out. A lot of the good like to dislike ratio as well. This is a T08 hover test. This is December 2008. This video is very low res for 2008. Oh my god. Are those bullets? I think that is some sort of jet propulsion. Those it's not firing bullets. That is to Oh, that's keeping it going. Keeping it in uh in the right directions. Jesus Christ. I think it it just takes off again here. Oh my god. Now, people listening at home, what we're essentially seeing here is a kind of small metal device. Yes. Similar to the size of it, it's essentially drone sized. It's a drone size. Yeah. But in the way that drones function by fans yes. being able to lift it off the ground, this is a Looks like a rocket-propelled drone. Rocket-propelled drone. That's using right. rockets on the sides of it to keep it positioned and moving in the right direction. Yeah. Once you see how many, just how many rockets this has, you'll realize how complex it is to just keep something in the air and straight. Yeah. Now, it's called a multiple kill vehicle, which <laughs> sounds very intimidating. Yes. Uh, a little less intimidating when you realize that the purpose of this device... Uh, is to actually intercept uh, intercontinental missiles. Oh. So the killing is like the neutralization of the missiles. That is what they would say, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to get it made, get it out the door. Because first they were like the multiple human killing missile. And they were like, you can't say that. And then, you know, once, once you know, you order and it comes to your house in a big old package... You know, there's a little note inside the packet. It's like, by the way, they'll flick the switch and it'll, yeah, it'll, turn it to it'll kill go human. mental. <laughs> Lock the doors and let it go mental. Mental mode. It's like demo mode on a keyboard. <laughs> now imagine this device. Yeah. 300 times bigger. Scaled up. In the shape of a diamond. I mean, uh, she didn't like specifically say exactly how big the uh, thing was, did she? I think she said it was bigger than the car. Yeah, bigger than the car. Yeah, so it doesn't even feasibly have to be that big. I mean, from this video alone, we've seen that, I mean, so that could exist. It Something like that could, absolutely yeah. could exist. But one problem, I guarantee that thing's not nuclear in any way. Oh, it is absolutely not nuclear. But does that not mean that the legacy of Project Pluto mm. hasn't gone on to develop mm. such equipment? I mean, if you mash 
this multiple kill vehicle together with Project Pluto, bam, you have a nuclear engine powered kill machine. Wow. Uh, this is really muddying the waters. There's a lot of different ways this could go. There I mean, is. Two, the way that you outlined, the two different ways. Two paths. Both pretty damn paranormal, to be honest. And these paths are where we end this week's episode. It's time for conclusions. We're at a crossroads, people. Which path do we go down? Do we go down A? This is an otherworldly craft with a nuclear engine melting humans. Or B? This is a government-created craft with a nuclear engine and, and it's a and it's a top-secret operation of some kind. Or I guess C, a there's a tiny path, you can barely see it, and it's that none of this was real, it was made up. It's not paranormal. Yeah. We don't have to look at that one. Don't even think about that one. This is just about the hardest decision I've ever had to make in this podcast. You're really thinking about this. I appreciate that. Especially because sometimes when you've hosted the show, I've said no during your conclusion. <laughs> so you I, don't deserve, I don't deserve it this. wasn't all the time. <laughs> you know, we've had a bunch of evidence on this one, pretty much unprecedented levels of evidence to do with this case between the court case itself, the physical injuries endured by the witnesses. What we've come down to is a classic trade-off between was this otherworldly and or was it just secret a long time ago anything that was unknown was pure mystery anything right. that was unknown was definitively paranormal but today we have this shadowy tier of society you know that is the uh, military industrial complex and so on where things are kept from view the glass gun the bee bomb they have it all and so i don't we can never be sure whether something is truly unknown or whether it is just being held from view exactly it has been said though that in previous decades the military always had the most advanced technology they were always a few steps ahead you know all that technology that went into putting man on the moon you know eventually la later as you say filtered all the way down to your crappy exploded uh watch under the mattress there it's true but it took a long time and no one else in the world had access at that time computers weren't around it took a long time for that to filter down but in the last few decades that dynamic has completely shifted where the most advanced technologies are almost consumer technologies i guess what i'm trying to say is that we haven't seen anything since this story that really fits the description yeah. of what was seen that night and hell, maybe I want to believe, but this case just isn't making any sense to me, which is why I ain't buying it. I ain't buying that this is some military testing. This is just some run-of-the-mill weapons test. This is just a couple, couple army men running about in a field shooting each other. This is something completely different. And these witnesses have the scars to prove it. That's why this week on This Paranormal Life, I am saying this is a yes. This yes! is UFOs. This is yes! paranormal. We gotta march, people. <laughs> we need to rally up and get the people behind this old, old event. Yes. <laughs> Listen, brother, I'm right there with you. It is so rare that we get a UFO case like this with so much evidence. The radioactivity, the multiple witnesses, 
You know, even to have a case that is so well documented and proven that it can even reach the US court. Good God. Is incredibly impressive. And of course it was thrown out in disgrace. (laughs) Yeah. But what good case isn't? You think the judge is going to gavel himself? No. And whether or not this was an otherworldly craft, or whether or not this was some insane nuclear-powered military experiment, I believe both of those roads still lead to Paranormal Town. Meaning this case is a yes from me to, it is paranormal. Jesus Christ. I'm feeling fired up. I'm feeling fired up too. I want to fight. I want to fight. Woo! It has been a while since we have had a double yes on this podcast. I'm I'm glad, you know, guys, we love doing the fun ones. We love doing... The, uh, the little jokey ones have a little laugh. We call those the kit ones. <laughs> but now and again, it's always fun to investigate these hardcore stories. That's right. And hopefully bring some serious paranormal facts to anyone who is still listening at this, this point. This is what it's all about, people. This is what you guys come for. This is what you guys tune You're in for. You're punching yourself really hard. It hurts, but it, I feel alive. What can I say? So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you want to support the show and get something back in return, on Patreon, if you've missed it, we have launched the This Paranormal Life official shirt. Oh, no. No, 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 no. no. It's not a cult shirt. It's definitely not a cult shirt. You know what? I'll just beep the first... I'll beep it in the edit so it sounds like I swore or something like that. Yeah, that'll sound cool. They won't even hear it. Yeah, Yeah. we got a shirt. This Paranormal Life... Sure, don't say that. Uh, so if you want to join the paranormal commune, yep. then hop on to Patreon uh, where you can pledge and get some awesome things like bonus episodes and merch uh, and pick yourself up a TPL shirt. And regarding this shirt bit of housekeeping, like we said on the previous podcast, anyone who is on the 20 bucks tier on November 1st is getting sent a new shirt. But I did realize that it's been a little while for some of our day ones that maybe signed up to that tier. So if you signed up to $20 tier a little while ago, I'm, you might have moved house in that time. So I've sent y'all a little message on Patreon. Um, so let me know your size, your dress, and we'll get that thing out to you November 1st. And as always, at the end of the show, we'd like to give a special thanks to everyone who has supported us on Patreon so far. So a very special thank you to... George Threadgold. George only threads gold. No silver for George. That's because he's a winner. He comes number one every day in his life, every every opportunity. Brushing his teeth first thing in the morning, number one. Did it faster than anyone. Shark. One second. Oof, done. <laughs> it's kind of bad, actually. Breakfast. Ba-ba-ba-boom, done. Ichiban. Skipped it. That's how quick he was. Actually, off to a pretty bad start to the day. Yeah, he skips most things to save time. Yeah, but that's what makes him. He's a in champion. bed by 10 a.m. <laughs> We're in awe, honestly, George. So thank you. Well done for supporting. Thank you also to Miss Believer. Miss Believer was a disbeliever till she started listening to this paranormal life, where we convert idiots into smarts. You know how people say, oh yeah, there's book smarts and there's street smarts. Mm-hmm. What happens when you read your f- book on the streets? What happens when you read a book called The Streets? Have you read that book? Doesn't sound like it. I don't read. Yeah, I didn't think so. It takes you, up too much of my you're time. You're just the streets. Smart. I'm just the streets. They're okay. 
Because I, I don't have time for the book part. Yeah, I didn't but think so. Miss Believer has time for everything, and that's why she is smarter than both of us combined. Thanks, Miss Believer. Thank you also to Ryan Harold. Wow, if it isn't Ryan Barold Harold, the first man to ever chuck himself off Niagara Falls in a goddamn barrel and live to pledge on Patreon. <laughs> Uh, truly uh, a paranormal feat. Truly a paranormal man. Um, I don't think he can really move anymore. He doesn't need to. With yeah. a click of a button, Patreon can can take your money. He made so much money with that one act that he has been a a a, a patron of paranormal causes all around the world ever since. So thank you. Thank you also to Talon Diaz. There's no Talon what Diaz gets up to at the weekend. That crazy son of a bitch. Last I heard, he got chucked in the slammer out in the the wilderness of Australia somewhere. This was Uh, true. Next thing he knew, he was, um, I think I heard he was like, I don't know, traveling around, selling acid in car parks, concerts. Life has not been kind to him it started off cool and then it got weird talon diaz got kicked in diaz by life but he still sells enough drugs to be able to support his paranormal pals and we'll take that drug money (laughs) we are not proud men no no uh so thanks for doing the dirty work for us uh talon thank you also to andrew nedelka andrew did you know that nettles can sting you do they have nettles everywhere in the world, or is it like a UK thing? Yeah, probably a lot of places. I feel like it's quite a UK thing, though. Listen, nettles were planted here by aliens to keep humans in check. Mm. Just when you think you are safe in the embrace of Mother Nature, turns out Mother Nature stings like a bitch. Yeah, and you learn that pretty early on in life. You know, you're frolicking around the garden, enjoying all that life has to offer. And then, just like Adam and Eve fell from grace by picking a poison apple. Uh, he tried to chomp down on a nettle. I heard it made great tea. So, Andrew, beware the nettles. That's all I'll say, brother. Thanks also to Dave Marshall. Dave Marshall is partial to a bit of the paranormal. And I appreciate that. A man after my own heart. Well, Dave, you got two yeses this week. Yes to the podcast and yes to... Am I grateful? Which is really the bigger question. And I am. I am, Marshall. So thank you. Thank you also to Christopher Comery. Christopher's never late. He come early. (laughs) Are you drunk? He come early. Christopher come early. You know how they say like a wizard is never late. He arrives precisely when he means to. Right. Well, Well, Christopher come early. That's that's his saying. He equally poetic kicks in the door <laughs> Christopher come early <laughs> kicks the front door in the party doesn't start for three more hours it's really annoying you have to make him a snack you know yeah. turn on your xbox for him to play because he's bored <laughs> he was actually trying to give us money before we even set up the patreon he was so <laughs> early we're like we didn't even know we were gonna launch it this is insane so thanks thank you so much for the idea i guess <laughs> And thank you, lastly, but not leastly, to Mr. Ryan Trail. Ryan the... Ryan Frail Trail. The skinniest little trail tracker that ever lived. This stick insect of a man can hunt the tracks of paranormal cryptids like no one ever before. They say it's his skinny, tiny nose. (laughs) 
that does it. His delicate twinkle toe footsteps barely imprint mm-hmm. the dirt, mm-hmm. meaning any paranormal creatures don't even see or hear him coming. His tiny armpits that barely even produce any sweat at all means even beasts with the strongest sense of smell have no idea what's happening. But luckily there is one big thing about him. His pockets. Filled with coins to rain down on the paranormal peasants. Listen, whenever you catch that many lucrative beasts, you've got a few pennies to show for it. Exactly. And you're also, he he robs a lot of banks. Oh. Because they don't even see him. Wow. He's so light. He kind of just floats through the air vents. Yeah. Uh, So thank you everyone who has contributed to the Patreon. And thank you everyone for listening to the podcast. We hope you had a great time. And we will be back next week with a brand new paranormal tale. Remember everyone... To live fast, investigate, and die young, baby! Ah. <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.